Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. So when we were going to go home, come home, I said to Ben, Ben, our middle son, I said, Ben, if you're not excited to go home, it means this. You have no vision for home. You ever felt that way? You're on a trip and you're like, oh God, I have to go back home, right? Back to life, back to reality, right? You're like, no! We were telling Ben about a cruise. He's like, what's a cruise? I'm like, oh, you just like cruise around and they feed you like 24 hours a day. And he literally said, can I live there? Okay, you know? And we're like, no. We said to him, if you're not excited to go home, that means you have no vision for home. It means your vision is, I just want to be on vacation 24-7. And can I just say, that's a lot of people's vision. Like, how can I work to get to that place where I don't have to do anything but just be this? And can I just say, that's not a vision. Oh, you're like, you sure, Pastor Jeff? Uh, right? I should have got a big old amen, right? That's not a vision. That's a world vision. That's not a God vision. Do you know you're going to work in heaven? You're like, dang it. Are you serious? Yeah, there's jobs and positions. Jesus is coming back to rule and reign in this earth, reestablish the earth, okay? There's gonna be jobs, things to do. God created work. God created this. He created what? He created this word called vision. And he desires for us to have vision. I'll prove it to you, okay? Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. This is King James. I'm gonna read it in three different translations. King James says this. Where there's no what? Okay, let me say it again. Where there's no what? Where's no vision. What happens? The people perish. And I'm gonna tell you, this works in the kingdom of God and outside of the kingdom of God, okay? When your company that you work for has no vision, what happens to the company? It dies, right? See, this is what's cool about biblical truths. You can apply them in the church and outside of the church, right? So God said, where there's no vision, things die. People die, okay? Uh, the NIV version says this, where there's no revelation, meaning what? No truth, no understanding, no revelation for God. It says this, people cast off restraint, what do we see in our culture? What do we see in the earth? People just casting off restraint, doing whatever they feel, whatever they want, whatever's in their heart, whatever they feel in the moment, there's no restraint. They just cast it off. Why? Because there's no vision. There's no vision. Let me read this version, okay? English Standard Version. This is the one I really love, okay? It says this, where there's no prophetic vision, People cast off restraint. 
okay? So let's ask three questions. The first question is this, what is a vision, right? And I'm gonna give you my version, not Webster's, okay? My version is this, it's the thing that gets you up every morning. It's what you live for. It's what you're passionate about. So your energy, your time, your finances, these things go to these things that you have a vision for, okay? So what is a vision? It's that. What is revelation? Revelation is this, is what I call maturity. And this is a huge problem in the church right now. We want to hear about the grace and the goodness and the love and the mercy and the kindness of God, but any time the Holy Spirit comes to bring a vision that contradicts your vision and your plan and your truth and your understanding, we cast that off and we go, I don't want that because I have to mature then. I have to mature in my thinking. I have to mature in my ways. I have to mature in ways and I don't want to mature. What's a prophetic vision? A prophetic vision is this. It's when you get God's view on everything you touch in your life. Your wife, your husband, your kids, your job, your money, your neighbors, your friends, your church, the time you have, the person you are becoming, your future, everything. And I am more convinced than ever that God has a vision for every one of those things I just talked about. It's just we don't always want it. Now, I'll be, uh, I'll be real with you. I think I grew up in that generation that it was like, should we go to McDonald's or Burger King? Let's, let's pray about this real quick, okay? <laughs> I'm like, both of it will kill you, okay? Right? Let's just pick McDonald's because they had, had, when I was growing up, they had fried apple pies. And I was all, yeah, some of you are like, fried apple pies are going to be on the marriage supper of the lamb in heaven, okay? And I'm going to eat them, okay? So I, I grew up in that generation. And I think it kind of scars some people, but I, I think we need to come back a little bit and go, okay, God has a plan for all of these things. God has a vision for all of these things. Now, here's the deal. Anywhere that there's not a prophetic vision, a God vision, anywhere in your life that there is not a God vision, the enemy will give you his vision. You need to write that down. Anywhere, your kids, your time, your finances, your job, your future, the person you're becoming, anywhere that you don't have God's vision for that area of your life, I promise you the enemy is waiting in the wings to give you his. And we know what his is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does not care how long it takes. Okay? Let me show you how a prophetic vision works. Luke chapter 5. We're going to camp out in Luke chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it on the screen for you. Luke chapter 5 says this. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, a great crowd pressed into him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats on the edge of the water, for the fishermen had left them there, for they were washing their nets. 
they stepped into the boats and asked Simon, this is Simon Peter, its owner, to push it out into the water so that he could sit in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, go out where it's deeper and let down your nets and catch some fish. And his response was, we've worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Okay, point number one is this, it's opportunity. Point number one is opportunity. So let, let's talk about this for a second, the nets, okay? Put up that picture from Manfest, okay? This was one of the busts of all the guys that we took. Next picture, we went whitewater rafting um, at Manfest. And, and one of the things that I learned when we went whitewater rafting is this, that when things get wet, it gets real heavy, right? So when somebody would fall out of the boat, AKA me, right, okay, or, or somebody, and their life vest was wet, and their clothes were wet, and their feet were wet, and their shoes were wet, getting them back into the boat was a challenge, okay? Let's just say it that way, all right? I mean, it wasn't like a quick, like, here we go. It was like 14 men grabbing one person and dragging them out of the water back into the boat. Why? Because they were heavy, they were soaked. So I want you to imagine these, these men who have these nets, okay? Nets made of rope that get wet and they get heavy, right? And they have been out all night long doing what? Throwing these heavy nets into the sea, trying to catch them fish, and then bringing them back into the boat. And I don't know if any of you have ever been on a boat, but I'm telling you right now, you got to use some ab muscles. You got to use some leg muscles because you got to balance yourself so you don't fall out of the boat. And they've been doing this for what? Maybe eight or 10 hours? All night. Back, forth, back, forth. So Jesus comes and he goes, hey guys, I know it's the middle of the day and it's hot and it makes zero sense to go back out onto the water. I know you didn't catch anything all night and I know this, that you're exhausted, but let's go back out and we'll catch some fish. I want you to think to yourself, what would your response be? Think about when the Lord comes to you with a new idea. Because here's what I'll tell you. He'll always come when you're exhausted. And I'll tell you why. It's because it's when you get to the end of yourself. Do you know God can't move until you get to the end of you? I asked, how many people want a vision? Every hand went up. Right? But he's wondering how many of you are exhausted with your life in the way that you're doing it? Are you done? You done with your vision? You done with your plan? Are you ready for my plan? Because I got a plan. It's different than your plan. And here's the deal when God's plan shows up, it will show up and it will be crazy and it will make zero sense. And I'm gonna have a long conversation with him someday. Right? 
You're like, really, God? This is the plan? I remember the first time we walked in the doors. It, look, every morning you guys walk in, people are shaking their hand. They're all nice to you. It's a pretty building. There's fresh coffee made. The first time I walked into this building, I walked in, and there was a dead rat in the, in the lobby. And this is what the Holy Spirit said. He said, welcome home. I said, welcome home. I said, let's burn it down. God's plan, his plan, his plan will always be crazy. Make no sense. Second thing I want to talk about in this is this. Every time God gives a vision, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for what? It's an opportunity to trust God and use your faith. So trust God and use your faith. And listen, let me say this. That is a learned skill. That is not something that comes naturally to people. You know, I, I decided, I've talked many times about this. I wanted to play golf. Three years ago, I had to learn how to play golf. And here's what I know about it. I knew nothing. All I knew is that my ball went to the right or to the left. And if you were standing 90 degrees to the right or the left, you should have got out of the way because I might hit you. Right? That's all I knew. I had to learn. It was a skill I had to develop. It was something I had to work for. Trusting God in his plan is something that you learn over time. It's not natural, but it's a learned skill. It's God going, listen, all of you are at different levels, and he's really okay with that today. Let me make this abundantly clear. God's not frustrated or angry at any of you for whatever level of faith that you're at right now. He's not angry or frustrated, but I will say this. He does want you to level up. He wants to take it to a new level. Now, here's the deal. Any of you that have children understand this because your children come to you and go, I, I got to level up in Fortnite, right? Like, I got to get the new battle pack, right? Or whatever game they're playing. Like, you know, it's like, I, I got to level my guys up. I got to level this up. And every parent understands this. It's going to cost you what? Money. They're like, it's only $5,000 to level my guy up, Dad. Right? Here's the deal. When, when God wants you to level up, it's going to cost you something. Because let me show you what it's going to cost you. God always requires you to trust God and not yourself. So what it's going to cost you is this, your plan. And here's the deal. All of us, including me, have our own plans. All of us are really good at dreaming up our own dreams. All of us are really good at looking on social and seeing somebody else's plan and somebody else's dream and going, I want that dream. It's a word called comparison, right? And we're all struggling with it. Can, oh, can I get an amen, right? What's it going to cost? It's going to cost you your plan, your thoughts, what you have. Because here's the deal. I got to show you this. It's a test. It's a test of what? To see who's in control. Are you in control or is God in control? See, when Eve ate the fruit, at that moment, it was her 
informing God, I no longer want your plan. It was her informing God, God, I know that you have a plan for me to be obedient and not eat this tree. Right? Sometimes the Lord goes, don't touch that. Sometimes the Holy Spirit goes, don't be a part of that. Sometimes the Holy Spirit goes, get rid of that. What's he doing? He's going, who's in control? Who's got the reins? Who's driving this? Eve was informing the Lord, I no longer want your plan that will lead to blessing because his plan will lead to blessing. At that moment, it was her going, God, I now have my plan and I'm gonna live in my plan. And God, here's what's so interesting about God. He goes, okay. You ever notice that? He never fights you? Oh, man. He never fights you. You want, you want to live in sin? You want to live in anger? You want to live in unforgiveness? Go ahead. Be my guest. It'll lead to death. But it's your choice. Because he's so good. He's such a good God that he gave you free will. Oh, man, that's a really good point right there. He is so good that he gave you free will to choose. The Bible says you may choose death or life. And God goes, oh, I hope you choose life. But he knows what? He also says the road to hell is wide and it's broad and many people find it. Amen? It's your choice. All right, verse five. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night and didn't catch anything, but if you say, so we'll let down the nets again. So this time, uh, verse six, at this time the nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought the partners from other boats, and soon the boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. Point number two is trust. Once you trust God's vision, okay? And, and let me be the first one to say this. Sometimes that can take some time. I wanna show you this picture. This was me on a rainy morning writing an email. writing an email that God asked me to write 14 months ago to somebody else in ministry that I look up to that the Lord told me to ask them for wisdom and help for the next seasons that we're about to go into the church. But the problem was I was insecure. Anybody know what I'm talking about? God asks you to do something and your insecurity pops up and your insecurity pops up and you think, well, what if they reject me? I got a real issue being rejected. I'm gonna be really honest with you. Rejection's a big trigger in my life. I'm working on it. It's a pattern. It started with my dad leaving. So for me, I hedge, I protect myself to what? To not be rejected. Right? So the Lord asked me to write this email 14 months ago, and I was like, that sounds awesome, God. But 
I don't like being rejected, and I'm super insecure because this person is way down the road, farther down the road than our church is. Now, here's what I love about God, and here's what I love about the Holy Spirit. He is patient, and he is good. Can I get an amen from anybody, okay? Can anybody testify that God has been patient with you, that God didn't throw in the towel on you, that God didn't give up on you, that God's mercy showed up every morning, that the Holy Spirit in his goodness and his kindness has gently nudged you for years and been gracious to you. Can I get an amen from anybody? Come on. God is so good. He is so kind. And for 14 months, the Holy Spirit has nudged me. Come on, Jeff, trust me. Trust me. I want nothing but the best for you. He kept telling me, I won't lead you anywhere that's not the best for you. Amen? I'm so thankful that he's patient. He's kind. So once we accept God's vision, now we have the opportunity for what? To see God do something that's outside of our realm, outside of our ability, something that we couldn't even imagine. This is God's opportunity to step up and do something amazing. These are what I call the suddenly moments, right? This is Paul and Silas in prison after they've been beat down, beat down for their faith, doing the will of the Lord, doing what they were called to do, beat down for the things of God, thrown into the dungeon, thrown into prison, bleeding in prison. And they start worshiping the Lord. They're doing what? They're connecting to the prophetic vision. Do you know that sometimes you're gonna have to worship through some dark days? You're gonna have to worship through some dark times. You're gonna have to worship through some moments that don't make sense. You're gonna have to worship. It's called the sacrifice of praise for a reason. You're bringing a sacrifice of praise when you're tired and you're weary and you're lonely and things aren't adding up, but you praise, you tap into what? God's prophetic vision for your life. And then what happens? The suddenlies happen. Amen? The doors fly open. The suddenlies happen in your life. And here's, what's, uh, here's what I can tell you. I don't know when those suddenlies are gonna happen. And that's the problem. We go, yes, I want God's vision. But then we go, I want to know exactly how, when, where, why. How many of you, I don't even know if you know this name. There's this wonderful pastor. He's passed along, Pastor Miles Monroe, okay? okay? If you know him, okay? He said this one time. He said, if God would have showed Joseph the middle, <laughs> come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Why did God show Joseph the end? Because at the end, he's victorious. 
at the end, he's won. But if God would have showed Joseph prison twice, right? He would have been like, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. We, oh, God, we're good, we're good. No, man, no, no, man, we're good, right? Joseph would have been like, for real, I'm going to do the right thing, I'm going to honor you, and, and I'm going to go to prison for that? God, you can keep your promise, you can keep your vision, Lord, Right? He shows you the end, not the middle. Because here's the deal, in the middle is where he's grooming us for the end. Did you hear my words? He's grooming you for the end. And some of you, you're in moments right now in your life with your children, your kids, or your business, or your job, and you're like, God, what are you doing? And he's going, I'm grooming you. Like, I'm frustrated, God. I don't like this version of your plan. I don't like this season of your plan. And he'll go, just hold on. Trust me. See, this is what maturity is. We need some maturity in the body of Christ. We need some people to grow in the things of God again. We need some people to not just run after something that makes them feel comfortable. Verse eight. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and he said, oh Lord, please leave me for I'm such a sinful man. Point number three is this, it's understanding. See, when you get a God vision, when you truly get a God vision, it reminds you of the grace and the goodness of God and that without it, you would be nothing. Because here's what's great about God's plan. God's plan is bigger than you. And there's a reason it's bigger than you. It's bigger in you because you have to trust him. He has to be the one to do it, not you. But when you get a God vision, when you see a God vision, it's the moment, it's the aha moment, you realize, oh, I am such a sinful person because I've been trusting my plan. I've been trusting my vision. I've been trusting my way. I've been going down my road and my decisions. And God, I am sorry. I have excommunicated you out. And now I'm back to trust your plan. Peter has this moment. He goes, without you, I'm nothing. I don't breathe without you. I don't talk without you. I don't have any of these gifts, these talents, anything, God, you've given me. It's all because of you. It's all because of you, Jesus. That's a really good place to be. Can I just say that? It's a really healthy place to be when you're in that place where you're not, can I say this, you're not in pride. Verse 9. 
for he was awestruck by the number of fish they caught. This is a wow moment. Like, wow, God, I can't believe you're that good. Wow, God. Have you ever been awestruck? Like, I was awestruck when the boys were born. Just awestruck, like, wow, this is unbelievable. My God, you trust me with this. God, you have a plan for this, and I get to be a part of it. Wow, God, that's just amazing. Maybe you were awestruck when, when your wife said yes. You got engaged, and you were like, wow, she said yes. I'm an idiot. She has no idea what she's going to go through with me. And she said, yes. Wow, there is a God. Right? All the women said amen. Maybe you were awestruck when you got that job you didn't deserve. You're like, how did I get that job? How did God place me here? How did, how did I even get here? Anybody ever felt that way? Like, like, wow, God, I don't even know how I got here, but I got here. <laughs> when, when, when Michael cut his hair, it instantly reminded my, me of myself at like 1920. And I thought, wow, God, I was an idiot. <laughs> Can I get an amen from anybody? Like, I was like, wow, God, you're awestruck. If you can write this down, I want you to write this down. The only way to live in awestruck, the only way to live in awestruck is in God's vision. Because if it's your vision and your plan, it's self-made. And you're not amazed. You're just full of pride and ego. When it's your plan, it's just you. You made it happen. You're the captain of your ship. And we live in this generation, self-made, Self-made. I don't need anybody. I don't need anything. I definitely don't need God. I'm self-made. I can do it on my own. And let me, let me ask this question. At what cost? <laughs> uh, see, in God's vision, there's no cost. In God's vision, it's not going to cost you your marriage. It's not going to cost you relationships. It's not going to cost you. But in your vision, it's self-made. You, you, you got to do anything to make that vision happen. At the cost of your marriage, relationship with your kids, friends, family. Because it's your vision. James chapter 4 verse 6 says, And he gives... Grace generously. 
Anybody need generous grace right now? You're like, generous grace? It says, as the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's only humble people that go, God, I want your vision. God, what should my marriage look like? God, what should my children look like? God, what should my finances look like? God, who are you grooming me to become? God, who are you making me in this season? It's only God vision. It's only humble people that want that. So it says, so humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Do you know if you resist the devil, he'll actually leave? Resist sin, it will leave. The devil will leave. Come close to God, and God will do what? He'll come close to you. He said, I'm gonna make this real simple. I'm not a God that hides. I'm not a confusing God. I'm not a God that runs from you. I'm not a God that is going to hold back from you. I just need people that want me. I just need people that want to be close to me. I just need people that want my presence. I just need people to come real close to me, and I'll come close to them. says this, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Listen, I, I want to challenge our church that this is going to be a season that our loyalty is going to be to God, to the things of God, to the purposes of God, the plans of God. Verse 10. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be a fisher of people. This is the prophetic vision. This is God's prophetic vision. He said, you'll be a fisher of people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Point number five, a God vision. See, Peter only saw himself as a fisherman. That's his whole world. His identity was wrapped up in what? I'm a fisherman. That's all he saw himself. It's all people ever spoke to him about. And can I just speak into that for a second? There's some of you that people have spoken over you your entire life, and it's been death, death, death spoken over you but it wasn't God. And it might even be people that professed Jesus that spoke death over you, but it wasn't the voice of the Lord. It wasn't his vision. It wasn't his plan. It wasn't what he had for you. So God comes and he goes, hey, listen, I want you to know, I know you've been a fisher, but now you're gonna be a fisher of men. I'm giving you a prophetic vision. Now here's what's so cool about God. God never wastes a moment in your life. There's never a moment wasted. He always takes things and translates them. So what did, what did he need? What did Peter need? What were the attributes that Peter needed to be the fisherman of God? He needed things like patience. You think he learned some patience out there on the seas? When he was fishing? I don't know if any of you have ever fished before. It's one of the most mind-numbing things I've ever done in my entire life. 
staring at the water, at a bobber, hoping, praying, desiring I would pay the fish to actually bite this, this line. He learned some patience. You know what else he learned fishing? To never give up. God needed some men that would never give up. God needs some people in the church that will never give up. God needs some faithful people, some mature people, some people that say, I will endure to the end, God. I'm with you on this journey. I got your back, God. I'm not gonna give up on the church. I'm not gonna give up on your plan. I'm not gonna give up on what you've called me to do. I'm not gonna throw in the towel. God, I know and I trust you that good things are around the corner. God, I'm gonna be faithful. Amen? He had to learn how to use different bait. All of you are different. You all need different bait. We're throwing out different bait all the time, right? Trying to hook you in to the things of God. He had to learn that. He had to learn. So I want you to write this down. If you can write something down, I want you to write this down. I'm gonna give you five areas of your life that you need prophetic vision. The first one is this. You need a vision for your own personal relationship with Jesus. You cannot live off Sunday to Sunday. And I love all of you. And I'm gonna keep it 100 I know I've been gone for a few weeks, but you're gone a whole lot more weeks than I'm here, okay? I'm gonna tell you that much, okay? All right? You can't live off a meal for two weeks. Try it. Cook yourself a good meal today and then don't eat for the next two weeks. Right? You gotta get a vision for your own relationship with God. You gotta get a vision for how you're gonna read the word. You gotta get a vision for a prayer life. You gotta get a vision for how you're gonna spend time with the Lord. You gotta get a vision, a prophetic vision. And the Lord might go, yeah, it's gonna cost you here or there. Gotta get a vision. The second thing you need a vision for is for your family, your your marriage and your kids, your family, your marriage and your kids. And God has it. I said this at Manfest. Men, you do not lead your families because you do not have a prophetic vision for your families. This is why men don't lead. Because they go, I don't know what the vision is. I don't know what the plan is. And they just look to their wives. What's the plan? What's the vision? God's called men to lead their homes. God's called men to lead their wives, to lead their families, not in a way that they're dominating and, and forceful and, and aggravating and making everybody mad in the family, but in a way that's full of grace and love and kindness and joy and peace, and they love their wife and they love their children and they can play with their children, but they can also bring correction to their children and bring guidance to their children and speak into their children. 
You gotta have a vision. Can I say married couples, you gotta have a vision for your marriage. You gotta have a vision for your marriage. A God vision for your marriage. What kind of marriage do you want? And I understand that you're probably not there today. That's okay. Trust God. Learn his ways. Learn to forgive each other quick. Learn to speak kindly to each other. Learn to lay your life down for each other. You got to get a vision. What do we want our marriage to look like? What do we want our family to look like? What do we want our home to look like? Number three is this, you gotta get a vision for the skills and the talents that God has given you. God's given you skills and gifts and talents. And I know that some of you today, you're like, yeah, I am not using my skills and my talents and my talents the way that God has for me. Ask God about it. Ask God about it. But he's divinely knitted you, woven you. The Bible says he formed you in your mother's womb with gifts and talents to bless this world with. Can, can I just say this? Listen, I need the people in Elevate Church to be successful. You know why? Because when you're successful, when you're the top of your field, when you're the best at your job, when you talk about Jesus and you talk about Elevate, people will listen to you because they respect you because you're the best. What is God calling you to do with your life? Number four is this. You need a vision for the church. We cannot be the church that God has called us to be without you. I promise you, we will not become what we're called to be without you. Without your gifts, without your talents, without your help, without you partnering with us, without you, we will not become who we're called to become. You have a gift, you have a talent, you have abilities that we need to accomplish all that God's called us to do, amen? And you gotta get a vision. You gotta ask God, why am I here? God, why did you place me in Elevate Church? You know that you didn't just show up here, you didn't just by chance get here, that the Bible says that God brought you here, that God placed you here, that he places people into the body, he placed you here for a reason, for a season, for a time to partner with what he's doing in the earth right now, right before Jesus comes back. There's not a more important time than right now to do the will of the Lord, to do the things of God than right now. You gotta ask God, why am I here? Why'd you place me here? Why'd you bring me here? How am I here to serve? All of us. There's thousands to reach, you know that? I love the 700 people that we have in our church right now, but there are thousands of people that are going to hell right now. And if we don't do something, they're gonna be lost. They're gonna be lost and we need your help. You gotta get a vision. The last one is this, it's for your future. You gotta get a vision for your future. Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, 
Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added to you. Do you know a vision isn't, we're going to redo our kitchen? Can I get an amen? I'm happy you're going to redo your kitchen, and I'm going to come and eat some great food, maybe at your house, okay? Or see pictures of it, and I'm going I'm to like it and tell you congratulations, and I'm going to be super excited for you. But that's not a vision. That's not a vision. It's not a vision. Yes, God, what is the purpose? Anthony, can I ask you a question? When did you guys start the orphanage? At, at what age? Can I, be, I know, I know. Yeah, 55. Oh my gosh, I love this. I love this. No, 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 I, I know. And listen, you're the best looking 55 year old people I've ever seen in my life. I mean, just, just awesome. And I love you. Did you hear that? At 55, the Lord said, I got a vision for you to start this orphanage in Haiti. I got a vision. I got a plan. <laughs> He's got a vision for your future. He's got a vision for your family. He's got a plan for you. Amen? Why don't you stand up today? Let me pray for you. If you want to receive that, I want you to put your hands up. I want you to raise your hands. I want you to tell the Lord that you want to receive that. You got to tell him. You got to say, Lord, I want a vision for my future. I want a vision for my marriage and my family and my children. I want a vision for this church. I want a vision, God. Holy Spirit, I ask in the name of Jesus. The word says that you hear directly from the throne of heaven. That you hear God the Father speak and that you relay those things to us. You translate those things to us. So Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus. I release prophetic vision into their lives, into their homes. Father, I thank you that you interrupt their days. I thank you, God, that you interrupt their, their time in the car. You interrupt their moment at home. You interrupt their, their moments when they're out to eat, God, that you interrupt their day, their time, their life to download your vision, to download your plans, to download your thoughts, heavenly thoughts, heavenly thoughts, heavenly vision, God understanding, truth, wisdom, revelation, direction that comes from the heavens in Jesus' name. Father, we bless your people right now. I release grace upon grace upon grace for them to fulfill all that they're called to be. We thank you in the name of Jesus. You've not called them to be the tail, but you've called them to be the head in all things. And we release grace, favor, blessing upon their life, upon their children, upon their home, upon their job, upon their career, upon their lives. We release it now in Jesus' name. And we thank you for your favor, your blessing, your grace, your wisdom, 
your understanding to reign and to rule in their life. We declare that the people of Elevate Church are blessed. We declare in the name of Jesus the blessing and the grace upon the people of Elevate Church. And we praise you. We honor you. We thank you, God, for new thoughts, creative understanding, vision, grace from you. We worship you. We praise you in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, get loud for Jesus today. Come on.